Hey everyone, and welcome to Everyday Woodworking, your podcast home for discussions about the craft, business, and love of woodworking, both as a pro and as a hobbyist. I'm your host, Ricky Fitzpatrick. I am a woodworker and the owner of Apple Valley Farm, where we make handmade crafts and decor. I've been woodworking most of my adult life, and now, with Everyday Woodworking, I have the opportunity to share my experience, my thoughts, and even my challenges with you. And I can't wait for you to join me right here for the next episode of Everyday Woodworking. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Everyday Woodworking Podcast. You know, something happened last week, and I completely forgot to mention it. I don't know how I did that, but I don't know if you have noticed... We have different music for the podcast and a different intro. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. We do because guess what? We are in season two. Season dadgum two. Can you believe it? I'm pretty stoked about that. We're almost at like 30 episodes now. I mean, dude, this is starting to make me think this... This podcast thing might just work out, you know? Anyway, really, though, I mean, thank you, everybody, for helping us be here. Um, Our listeners are growing. I mean, people are in touch. Things are happening. It's so cool. And, And if you're listening today, then you're a part of that. And I am so grateful. And today, I'm actually taking a question that I got from one of our listeners, and I'm just building like a whole episode around that one question. It's something I get asked all the time, um, and you'll probably think at least part of my answer is totally expected. Uh, but other parts, eh, maybe not so much. But but it's it's probably a question either you've had, maybe for me or for another woodworker, or a question that you have been asked by somebody else. But regardless, it's it's something that is essential to our growth and craftsmanship. So you will definitely want to hang out with us while we break that open. But not yet. <laughs> not yet. We're going to jump into all that in just a second. But before we do, let's take a quick break. Hey guys, Ricky with Everyday Woodworking. Hey, your support makes it possible for Everyday Woodworking to continue to be on the air. We would love it if you blessed us with your financial support through our friends over at Patreon. Monthly support starts at just five bucks a month, and your support makes it possible for us to continue to do what we do. Have a great day, and thank you so much. Visit us at patreon.com slash everydaywoodworking. All right, so one of the most common questions I get is some some variation of how did you learn to do this? And, and I love talking about all the cool or interesting things I've been able to do um, or people I've gotten to meet. But today, I specifically wanted to talk about where I learn woodworking skills. And, and that may be new skills. Um, or my history of learning basic skills. Either way, it's one of those great icebreaker questions, you know. Um, so it comes up, it comes up a lot. 
Um, and hey, if you're a beginning woodworker, um, or you're if you're only starting to think about woodworking, then maybe this episode will help you find some direction for acquiring the skill set you need to to start getting into the world of woodworking. So I've got seven or eight general places or methods, let's just call them methods, to fill your brain with lots of shop knowledge. All right. So let's let's get right into it. Okay, number one, growing up. Um, the first place I learned any level of woodworking was just being around it, growing up in it. Um, in high school, when I was in high school, my mom loved like craft stuff. This was in the 80s. Um, she wanted to sell things at local fairs and festivals. And, and I was able to paint and letter. I was pretty artistic. Um, but uh, she still needed somebody to make the wood things for me to paint on. Hey, guess, guess who got to do that? M- my dad went to Sears. Uh, he bought he bought a bandsaw, a radial arm saw, uh, a drill, and a and a belt sander. And he said, "There you are, Ricky. They're on the carport. Don't cut your finger off." <laughs> and that was it. And of course, one of the first things I did was like cut right through the middle of of a knuckle, you know, on my hand with the bandsaw. It was a great lesson, though. I never forgot. And uh, even today, though, it's funny, that reminds me when I'm using the bandsaw, I I never forget that. And I never forget to keep my hands away from the blade. Um, Anyway, it was, I was never that great uh, at the craft of woodworking, I don't think, but I learned and I got better and I improved over time. And I have to say, had my parents not made me get out there and figure things out here 35 years later or so, I probably probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Number two, friends. Um, I am, I'm blessed. And I've said that on here many times, but it's true. I am, I'm blessed. And a large part of that is because of the friends I have and the friends I have had over the years, uh, as an adult woodworker with, a, frankly, a limited knowledge in the shop, my friends keep me humble and they help me grow. Um, I thank goodness for good friends like Greg Mathis, who's a great friend, a talented woodworker, lives right down the road from me. Him and any number of a a dozen other skilled craftsmen who share tools with me. They pass along wisdom and they just, they just let me spend time with them or in their shops. Uh, Woodworking can be an inherently solitary hobby or a job. And I love the time alone that I have in my work. But if you're not reaching out to friends in the woodworking community and benefiting from their knowledge and their their company, you're you're crippling yourself. You're crippling yourself. Plus, in all honesty, my woodworking friends are some of the best tempered, kind hearted people I know. 
Number three, peers. Now, you may think, well, peers is the same thing as friends, but no, they're not, not for me. My friends are my friends. My peers may also be my friends, but but not always. And my friends may just be woodworking friends, but not craftsmen or business peers that can teach me at some level. Um, in, sh- in short, I guess I'd say I look at, at peers as more of my my friends who happen to be in the business of woodworking in some fashion. Folks like, you've heard me mention David Boardman on here before, or uh, Greg Stewart, who owns a cabinet shop down the road from here. These are guys who are my friends, but they are also my peers. And they, they're heads and shoulders above me in the areas of experience and equipment. So, frankly, they're inspiring to me in many ways. And it's usually by just leading by example. I love going down the road and stopping in at Greg's cabinet shop. And I just watch the guys there create and assemble or finishing or whatever they happen to be doing. It is a great environment for showing me how I can evolve in different areas. Number four, mentors. Now also in the same vein as friends and peers are mentors. Um, my mentors may be only friends uh, or shop owners. They may be backyard woodworkers or pros or somewhere in the middle. But to a large degree, they are a part of my my woodworking world to foster improvement in me. And now, frankly, now these people may not even be woodworkers. They may be a truck driver. They may be a pastor. They may be a farmer. They may be a woodworker. But what they instill in me is a growing sense of value or responsibility. Um, and, and I draw on these people. They are, they are a deep draw for me. I draw on these people for help in not just help in the skill that I need, but in the understanding of what I need, like understanding how to handle money situations or time management in the shop or prioritizing orders or just woodworking in general. If you don't have a mentor or mentors in your life, find one. I mean, or many. Maybe your mentor could be your older neighbor that lives down the road. Maybe it's um, a previous employer that you really respected. Hey, maybe maybe it's your dad. But every woodworker, she, I mean, every every one of us, period, needs a mentor in their corner. All right, that is half of our list. The first four, these are, I'll call these soft teaching methods, um, but we're going to get into more direct methods for the next four. But before we do, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
Let's talk about cornhole boards. You know, cornhole, the fastest growing sport in America. Hey, everybody's either got a set of boards or they're looking for one. If you're looking for an awesome set of boards that can carry you through from your backyard all the way to the ESPN tournament stage, then Apple Valley Cornhole is ready to hook you up. Cabinet grade construction, built to American Cornhole League specs, guaranteed American made, and get this, every set is hand painted with your design. And I don't mean some stencil or computerized ink and definitely not that old school vinyl. Get a set of boards that will make the neighbors jealous and have your friends begging to come throw a game. ABC is a division of Apple Valley Farm, so go to applevalleyfarmga.com for all the info on how you can order a set of your own. Apple Valley Cornhole, we've got you covered from tailgate to tournament. Okay, moving on to the more practical avenues for picking up skills, okay? Number five, YouTube. Today, YouTube videos are the number one method for learning a new skill. YouTube, I don't know if you know this or not, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world behind who? Google, of course. You don't really think about YouTube being a search engine, but it is because people want to learn visually through the video format, and so they go to YouTube to search for what they want to learn. I mean, for us, it may be routing a dovetail joint or removing a particular finish safely, Um, or maybe it's about... Maybe you want to know how to make charcuterie boards, or maybe you just need help in selecting a paintbrush. Whatever it is, YouTube probably has some guy or some girl on there to tell you how to do it. Shoot, we've got we've got over 200 videos on our Apple Valley Farm channel right now, and they show you how to do like everything from planting a garden to building a set of cornhole boards. YouTube is, in my opinion, indispensable in our modern world. You you may wind up accessing a 100-year-old plan or a description or a procedure for something, but you can pull that up on in a three-minute video on your phone. So YouTube, without question, YouTube is definitely a great practical avenue for learning new skills. Number six, and this may be a little odd. This may be a little unexpected. Number six is woodworking magazines. When my granddaddy passed away, one of the first things I wanted to keep was his collection of like dozens of old popular mechanics and back then mechanics illustrated magazines from the 50s. Just timeless articles plans, advice, how to do things, not just woodworking, but a lot of woodworking, but stories that inspired you as a young man, how to do things around the house, how to fix your lawnmower, just fantastic, timeless, hands-on skills, just great magazines. And it may sound odd to talk about magazines in this day and age 
of digital media. And I know we just finished talking about YouTube, but a woodworking magazine, it doesn't matter how much time passes or how tools or techniques may evolve. The basics are still the basics and that never changes. And so today I've got my own magazine subscriptions. They're digital and I read them on my phone and my laptop, but they're full of valuable information that will make me and they will make you a better, smarter, more knowledgeable, better rounded woodworker. Number seven, the web. Obviously, we all browse the web a lot, (laughs) a lot, a lot. I mean, aside from YouTube searches we do, just general search engine results are going to help us find content that will help us do, learn, or improve pretty much anything we need to do. Now, I'm, I'm personally, I'm a fan of learning through the videos, but I still read a lot online. I still read a ton of blogs, and of course, I love podcasts. I look for great podcasts like, hint, hint, Everyday Woodworking all the time. But I do listen to a lot of podcasts because I don't always have the time to actually read something. So the podcasts are a great way for me to gather more information and learn new things and maybe even just learn new ideas that I wouldn't have been able to access otherwise. So podcasts, great, great, great. Um, But terms like woodworking, uh, woodworking plans, and woodworking how-to. I mean, these are these are not only some of Google's most popular search terms, but they continue to be the most popular search terms. And, and, and they're, they seem to be insulated from like seasonal and social trends and spikes. When, when you look at the trend for these, these search terms, you don't have like the huge spikes that come in different times of the year or things like that. They're always popular. They're always being used to find great information for folks like us who want to find information on the web. Number eight, trial and error. This is a method that sort of circles back around to my first method for learning new skills or basic skills. And so learning through trial and error, some people might say this is learning by doing. Um, This is, it's a trait that seems to be waning as the years pass, I guess I'd say. And I, I know, I mean, every old person feels like the next generation or the, the upcoming generation is just, slackers. That's all they are. They're just wasted, you know, but we really do seem to have almost lost the willingness to just try something and then just let the results be our teacher. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I had this orange huffy bike and that bike has jumped at least as many things as evil Knievel ever did. And if we wanted to jump, and it wasn't just me, it was all the kids in our neighborhood. We all had bikes 
we all jumped everything because we were evil Knievel fanatics. How did we do it? Did we sit down and did we plan it out? Did we get somebody to teach us how to build a ramp or figure out mathematically how fast we needed to go to go a certain distance? No, no, we just set that stuff up and we did it. And most of the time we were lucky. Sometimes we weren't and we busted it. And it's it's just part of the learning process, but we've got to be like that. I mean, how did I learn to swim when I was a kid? My dad threw me in the lake and I had to swim or I, or I was going to sink. It's amazing what we can do when we have to. And it's amazing what we can learn when we put our brain in that sort of discovery mode. You've got to, you got to lose the idea that, that a failure is failure. Does that make sense? Let me say that again, okay? You have to lose the idea that a failure is failure. A failure is just another lesson in how not to do something. Then you, you draw on other experiences and logic and common sense, which is another thing that they may be in short supply. Anyway, you draw on those things and then you try something else. And then if that fails, you back up, you readjust, and then you try again. You try it from a different angle. You try it from a different perspective. So if you're not using trial and error to learn new skills in the shop, then your learning process is just going to be painfully slow and one-dimensional. And I say one-dimensional because if you're not learning through some error, through some failure, how are you going to handle unforeseen things when they come up? And Jack, they're going to come up. So learn to break a few eggs and you might discover that you make a pretty good omelet. And that's my list of how I've personally learned what little bit of woodworking knowledge I have um, and how you can start or expand your own skill set. These are things I've done, things that I do, and things that I will continue to do. Now, if you've got other methods you want to add, let me know. Definitely let me know. Or if you've got questions for me um, or other comments on what we talked about today, please send that stuff over to me. I would love to see it. And, uh, and I will say one of the best places you can share thoughts and questions is on our new Facebook group. Just go to the Facebook app and search for Everyday Woodworking uh, and join us there. Um, I'll leave a link also in the show notes so it'll be easy for you to find it and get there. Hey, a last couple of things before we go. Wherever you enjoyed this episode, please take a second, leave us a great review, and spread the word to your friends about us. And of course, we would love it if you subscribed to us and became a regular listener. Also, we try to post a video of each podcast episode on our Apple Valley Farm, that's our woodworking business, YouTube channel. So if YouTube is your thing, definitely look us up and like, comment, and subscribe to us there as well. Finally, your support helps make it possible for everyday woodworking to continue to be on the air. So we love it if you blessed us with your financial support through our friends at Patreon. Monthly support starts at just $5 a month. 
And guys, that is it for now. Again, thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoyed this. Have a great day, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time right here on Everyday Woodworking.